You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, it's hour two on this Thursday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Glad to have you on board. We'll check in with uh, Dr. Fauci. He'll join us coming up next hour. Pat Forty is set to join us on loan from Sports Illustrated, their senior college sports writer. We'll come up with a poll question, play of the day. We already had that. We got a stat of the day or two. Have that for you coming up as well. Uh, let's bring in Pat Forty if we can. Uh, he'll join us uh, 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. Say good morning to our radio and TV partners. McLevin, do you have a poll question for me? And uh, we'll get to Pat Forty. i got to talk about Mike Gundy. There's some new information on Zion Williamson. Uh, UNLV is, I guess they have to change their mascot, no longer the running Rebels. Yes, McLevin. So I put up hour one. It's probably too obvious, but has your excitement for baseball dampened because of all this nonsense? That's how I worded it. Try against the results. 85% said yes. All right. Um, I mentioned something yesterday, and I was very cryptic because I had to be careful with my source in talking about Major League Baseball. I'll try to clarify some of that coming up in a little bit. Also found out some information yesterday. A source told me... um, speaking to an athletic director who believes the Big Ten and Pac-12 will be conference games only. That's what they're planning for right now in the fall. Maybe a later start? I'm not sure. Let's bring in Pat Forty, who uh, joins us on the program. Good morning, Pat. How are you? Hey, I'm all right, Dan. Happy to be on with the medical experts today. Uh, Have you uh, heard anything about the Pac-12 and the Big Ten with what I just mentioned about are they going to be just conference-only games so there's no real uh, travel outside what they normally do? Well, I mean, I think it's definitely under consideration, uh, and that may even be a leaning at this point, but I I don't think it's a done deal by any stretch. You know, I think everybody's going to at least try to take this to July 1st with hopes of uh, of a full season and then maybe you're scaling back from there. Uh, you know, I think that that the, the people will wait as long as they can before they start stripping down uh, anything that uh, that they're hoping to do. But is it on the table? Yeah, I, I believe both those options are definitely on the table. When you tweeted out is the first canceled college football game a sign of what's to come? What do you mean by that? Oh, yeah, the uh, HBCU uh, game scheduled for Memphis between Jackson State and Tennessee State, uh, September 12th, that's been called off. Uh, They said due to COVID-19 concerns and problems. So is that going to be the first of many? Uh, Are we going to see uh, games dropping by the wayside? And I think maybe especially neutral site kind of games where you're you're not only importing both teams, you're importing both fan bases could be uh, particularly problematic and could be hard to sell tickets for if if you're allowed to have fans, even in the stadium. So, you know, I think that those kind of games especially could be susceptible to being uh, called off. We'll see. You know, I mean, everybody wants to have the games. They're profitable. Uh, the TV inventory for sure. But, you know, if, if any games are going to go, those could be the first ones. Yeah, but SEC, it's full steam ahead. How is that? <laughs> well, we'll see. I, they're saying it, and so far they're playing it. You know, I mean, they, they, they've got players on campus, and voluntary workouts are going on, and there have been positive tests. I, you know, almost everybody is reporting that they're having some, and, you know, numbers up to, I think it's eight, uh, Kansas State, uh, and, 
you know, similar four, five, six uh, elsewhere. The, the question I think then is, okay, what's the appetite? How many is too many? How many of them are serious cases? How many, you know, are there hospitalizations involved? Or, you know, are, are they life-threatening? Or are these just, you know, uh, well, I don't feel very well for two or three days, and then I'm okay. Uh, you know, I think that there's just going to have to be a lot of calibration of decisions, probably school by school, on what the appetite is for for how many cases you can handle and how many serious cases you can handle. How would you describe Mike Gundy's job status today? Mm, questionable. <laughs> you know, I think that uh, it's it's been a very bad week for him and the revelations yesterday from uh, Alfred Williams by Sharon Sharp uh, about, you know, using racial slurs toward players only throws more logs on the fire. Um, you know, Gundy came out and eventually fell on his sword with a, a very scripted apology that came across rather woodenly uh, on video. Uh, but then he did some more video, apparently, uh, with ESPN that was maybe a little bit more candid. Uh, he is He's owning his mistakes regarding the T-shirt. Uh, we'll see what he says about the 1989 incident. He denied it at the time. But there were multiple Colorado players who said it did happen, and you know, I just talk about how much how much of an appetite you have for things. Well, how much does Oklahoma State want to put up with for this guy? Well, also here's the key: seven and six and eight and five the last two years that can put you in a tenuous situation if you have this baggage with you, and you can't read a statement if you really want people to feel like this hurts you and it bothers you and you understand. You know, that anybody can write a script for you. And this had to come from the heart. If I'm a player, I'm not buying into any of this from Mike Gundy. Not at all. And I, I, you know, I don't think he's, you know, maybe he's built up enough house credit to stay and survive this. But going seven and six and eight and five, that'll put you in a tenuous situation. Seven and six, eight and five, and two and 13 lifetime against Oklahoma. That that doesn't help either. So, yeah, things are trending the wrong way for Coach Mullet. Do you think he'll be fired? Pardon me? Do you think he'll be fired? I, I you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, look, I, I'm surprised he still has his job, given some of the things he's done there. Uh, so it wouldn't put it past me that he keeps it, especially given the fact that they have a weak athletic director uh, and the administration of the school doesn't seem overly motivated or have the stomach to fight Mike Gundy. Uh, he's pretty popular with the fan base, despite, yep. as you said, some declining returns. But, uh, I, you know, I, I would say at this point he's going to keep his job, but it wouldn't shock me if he doesn't. I just saw where uh, Zion's lawsuit is now going to be taken out of Florida. Now it's basically a home court advantage in North Carolina. Where are we headed with this lawsuit with Zion and uh, the impact it could have on Duke basketball? Yeah, I think Zion and Duke are both going to skate here probably. As you said, uh, being thrown out of Florida and into North Carolina is another advantage to give it this. Uh, you know, I think at, at worst case, they settle and this thing goes away. He's never going to get deposed. He's never going to have to answer those questions about what he received to go to Duke or while he was at Duke. Um, but, you know, I think that, that, that his hope is that this whole thing is just going to continue to be uh, legal victories for him and defeats for Gina Ford, and eventually she'll just have to go away without a settlement. But I think at worst case, he will settle. If I would have told you a couple of years ago, uh, Zion, would you be more surprised Zion got paid or he didn't get paid going to college? <laughs> I would always be more surprised he didn't. 
<laughs> you no know, that, yeah, uh, having <laughs> since since September 2017, when the federal investigation blew up and confirmed everything we thought was going on, I I'm surprised that any good player goes to school for free. He's Pat Forty, Sports Illustrated senior college sports writer. Uh, UNLV needs a new nickname, new mascot. Now, is that right? I well, yeah, they took down their rebel statue, and I think there's going to be discussions about whether. They will still be called the Rebels. And, I mean, let's be frank, UNLV, I don't even think Las Vegas was a city at the time of the Civil War. So it's not like they were part and parcel of the Southern Heritage or the the Confederacy. But they did choose the nickname Rebels. They chose a kind of old-timey, southern, potentially-looking mascot guy. And those are problematic these days. And if you want to just, you know, if if you're not sure and you want to err on the side of let's not get ourselves into further, you know, uh, political hot water here, let's go ahead and change it. I mean, I don't think, you know, Rebels is some sort of cherished thing at UNLV. The bigger issue will then be what happens at Ole Miss, uh, which is also the Rebels and has quite the uh, tortured racial history. Where are we headed, do you think, with Washington uh, in the NFL? I know Mike Florio has talked about this as kind of an initiative, a grassroots, uh, you know, and and the climate, the timing is right for this. But could you see that happening where that owner caves in and changes the nickname? I think so, yeah. I mean, I think it's just a tougher and tougher position to maintain. As as you said, this was already an unpopular nickname. In the current climate, there's less and less justification for it, and I think you just get to the point of why do you want to keep fighting that fight or why do you want to keep alienating parts of your fan base with that? And I think, you know, you look at the Utah Utes, the Florida State Seminoles, and and a lot of people with uh, Native American mascots and nicknames, and I think all of them are uh, under renewed pressure to do something about it. It's great to talk to you, and uh, appreciate you making some time for us today. Safe travels, Pat. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. Good to hear from you. That's Pat Forty, Sports Illustrated senior college sports writer. Yeah, UNLV changing uh, their nickname. I don't know if Old Miss will, the uh, Rebels there. Um, and I don't know if the NFL, I mean, I, I don't know if the commissioner can say to Daniel Snyder, now we need to change the nickname. I don't know what his power is over an owner in that situation here. And I'll go back to what I was told by a source. This is years ago that Daniel Snyder wanted to get a stadium in Washington, D.C., downtown. And, and they used to have one at RFK. But part of that was if we allow you or help you with this, you will change the nickname of the Redskins. I don't know where that ever went. And maybe it didn't go anywhere because they're still not playing in uh, downtown. Yeah, Paul. The commissioner of Major League Baseball removed Marge Schott from owning the Reds, forced her to sell. The owner, uh, the commissioner of the NBA forced Donald Sterling to get rid of his team. You would think that the commissioner of football would have the same exact power to say, you'll change it or you'll sell. Those are your two choices. They did things that were egregious. What Marge Schott did and Donald Sterling did, Daniel Snyder bought a team that already had a nickname. It's not like he said, I'm going to create this nickname. But if Roger Goodell wants to change his legacy, can you imagine that one? He says, you have two choices here, and you could pick your choice. You could change your name to anything you and the fans agree on, or you can let it go to someone else. I always thought that that would be such a marketing merchandising boon for for Washington. Like you started all over. I got all that new merchandise there. I mean, I'm just thinking as a business person, which Daniel Snyder is, 
and uh, he became a billionaire because he's a good businessman. But a billionaire doesn't like to be told what to do. Yeah, McLeod. Oh, so Snyder seems like a powerful owner. Was Marge shot and Donald Sterling both marginalized at that point of the career? Like, if Sterling was on top of his game and a powerful owner, they would not have been able to get rid of him as easily, maybe. Mm. I, I'm shot, and he was old. He'd been losing for years. Well, what he said, I don't know yeah. if you say, oh, if this is an, a, an established owner who's got a quality product, and then he says this, because the players are going to go, I'm not going to play for this guy. Yeah, you're right. And then it's bad for business. How about shot? What was her, her deal by the time they got rid of her? Um, she made comments about Hitler. Like, he, she complimented Hitler for building good highways. Like, she complimented Hitler the early years. His early work was he built some good highways. You're not going to last too long if you're complimenting Hitler in any way, shape, or form. And I think that eventually they said, Marge, you're going to have to step down. I don't know if anything... Because you also have to look at this. Is Daniel Snyder bad for business? Or is there anything else? Now, he doesn't put a good product out there, but that... You know, he's still making money. But I don't know how the commissioner views this. I don't know. Can we Google just to see if he's ever, the commissioner's on record as saying anything about that nickname with Washington? Yeah, Paul. I, I, and as, as angry as the old school Redskins fans might be by having their name changed, if they got a new owner, I don't think they'd be that upset. I, I would say he's, he's not Don, um, James Dolan of the Knicks, but he's in that stratosphere of, an, an owner that's a negative for a franchise on the field. I think the average Redskins fan thinks that that guy hurts our chances to win, not helps. Like Mark Cuban's an outspoken guy, and he seems to help the Mavericks' chances to win by the moves he makes. Yeah, but I can't take a team away from Daniel Snyder because he's not good at hiring the right people. How about having a refusing to remove a... a well, that I don't know if because you don't change your nickname, I'm going to force you to sell. I, I don't know what kind of legal grounds that he would have, the commissioner would have to do that. Because Daniel Snyder might be bad for business. He's bad for his own business, but that doesn't mean you have to sell. I mean, if that's the case, James Dolan would have had to sell, sold a long, long time ago. Yeah, Paul. Since Daniel Snyder bought the team, they've won one playoff game. I think that's... Two oh, I know, but look at their worth. Yeah. Oh, yeah, two decades. I mean, that's what this is all about. You know, that these teams are worth so much. And billionaires... There's a, there are quite a few billionaires out there, but how many billionaires own a football team in the NFL? And they never want to give that up because you can have 10 billion more than me, but I own a football team in the NFL. There's a big difference with them. It makes you famous. Like Steve Ballmer, he made all that money, but he's the owner of the Clippers. Mark Cuban made a couple billion. He owns the Mavs. Jerry Jones, all right, you got money. Now you bought the Cowboys. Now it's different. Yeah, McLovin. Yeah, I found a quote. Goodell kind of leaves it in Snyder's hands. Yeah, uh, see, that's, he, he that's, stays out of I it. I know, but that this is where if you're worried about your legacy or or you think you can change your legacy, the commissioner can change his legacy if he cares about this. He may not. He may go. I don't care what you think of me. I mean, the bullets change to the Wizards. It, Team names change over time. Yeah, but bullets. I mean, that was terrible. Yeah. And you're talking about Washington, D.C.? I don't think anybody's going to have a problem. I don't know if anybody had a real problem with changing you know, the bullets to wizards. Of course, we've seen it in colleges where I went, Dartmouth, 
not to brag. Uh, they went from the Indians to the big green. Uh, Syracuse, I think, might have changed their name. And if you work with Native Americans and you work with certain tribes, I'm all for that. If they, I've said it before, I have a nephew who used to deliver, he, he, he would go to reservations in uh, South Dakota. And he would see how poor these people were. Like, they didn't care about a nickname for a football team. You know, they were trying to get computers. They were trying to get running water. They were worried about alcoholism, drug use. Like, they, we worry about it because I think there's part of us that we're certainly not proud of our past with Native Americans. We want to fix it. I don't know if Native Americans have time to go, you know what? Got all these other problems, but boy, I'd feel a whole lot better if you change Washington's nickname. Or the Atlanta Braves or the Cleveland Indians. I just said change the damn logo for, you know, the Cleveland Indians. The Atlanta Braves. If you want to keep it, okay. I mean, I'm not even comfortable with that. But change the look of it. I have a problem with that. The Chicago Blackhawks have the best logo, the best looking logo in all sports. It's majestic. Like that is, every time I see it. Man, that looks impressive. But I don't know what the Blackhawk tribe feels. If they're in conjunction, if there's a partnership, I believe there is. But that's all I would want with something like that. Yeah, Seton, you were going to say something? Well, yeah, I mean, I think sort of what you were saying about, you know, there are certain communities that have more things to focus on than uh, sports franchise logos and things like that, um, which I think is an important point for people to really understand. And I also think it's important to, you know, there are ways to separate and put offensive things to one side and then other ones that are, are not offensive, you know, um, like Redskins is clearly offensive. Yes. It's something that should be changed. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's okay. It's okay to change it. Yeah. I just don't know. It, it, you know, I'm looking at these comments by uh, Goodell I think the interesting thing is uh, Dan Snyder has really worked uh, in the Native American community to understand better their perspective. I think it's reflected mostly uh, in a Washington Post poll that came out in 2016. Nine out of ten Native Americans do not take that in a negative fashion. The Redskins logo or the Redskins name, and they support it. This is the commissioner saying this. Uh, in any way is this insulting to Native Americans? And I think that poll is overwhelmingly positive that they don't find it offensive. Okay. I, I don't want to change it just make myself feel better. But I can tell you, my nephew said, these, these people, you know, on the reservation, these Native Americans, they got other things to worry about than something like this. They really do. Not that we shouldn't concentrate on it or get it to change, but in their world, they're probably saying, i got other things to worry about here. A lot more important things to worry about than can we change the nickname of the Washington Redskins. All right, we'll take a break here. We'll come back. We'll get to phone calls. Uh, I, got, I got a little bit more baseball information for you. I was cryptic yesterday, and I was cryptic on purpose because I didn't want I didn't want it to be obvious who my source was. So I sort of danced around it a little bit, but I kind of told you some things that actually came out later on yesterday afternoon. I got a little bit more clarity on it, but I want to be careful of uh, the person that I spoke to about this. But uh, we'll come back with that. It's uh, 20, almost 21 after the hour. Glad you're part of the program. This is the Dan Patrick Show. 
Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Get to your phone calls coming up. I saw where uh, the agent to the baseball star, Scott Boris, unloaded on the commissioner of Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred. He was talking to Tom Verducci. And he said that uh, Rob Manfred, he's being the pancake commissioner where, quote, all flip anywhere I want to. When you negotiate publicly, once you say it, if you go down a different road, you lose credibility. When he said on draft day, 100% we're going to have baseball, the commissioner said there's a chicken in every pot. Of course, that uh, goes back to Herbert Hoover back in the 30s where he was saying there would be a chicken in every pot, and uh, it didn't turn out that way. But uh, Scott Boris then went deep, and I mean literally deep. He says that uh, the commissioner's case was weakened by word that TBS was giving baseball a billion dollars to remain in the postseason broadcasting business. The TBS contract was the rectal thermometer, Boris said. It illustrated the truth to all the fans, and that is the content of this game has such value, even in the heart of a pandemic, that you get a record contract for your rights. When I say rectal thermometer, according to Scott Boris, I say it as the truest form of the temperature of the game. I think there's other ways to get your temperature. He does have a point there. Now, I mentioned yesterday that um, this is sort of, I'm told by a source that this is all orchestrated. It's all scripted by the commissioner. He knows exactly what he's doing. He is delaying as long as he can. And you're going to see that there is, and I was told it could be 48 to 60 games at the most. They would love to keep it at 48 or 50 games. Less games, less financial loss by some of these owners. And that's his job. I know it's to protect the game. He has to serve these owners first. And you got owners who, you know, with big budgets, they want to play Yankees and Dodgers. I don't know if the Red Sox want to play, but there are some owners who, and I, I was told two to three yesterday, there have since been reports that maybe six to eight of these owners don't want to come back and play because they're going to lose so much money. And uh, I followed up with my source yesterday because I said on the show, look, I'm, I'm kind of talking around this because I want to protect my source. But my source said, the commissioner knows how many games he knows when this season's going to start and when it's going to end. And he knows exactly how many games they're going to play. And I just said, okay, he goes, look, you make the mistake of getting caught up in all of the language back and forth. And he said, you've been covering sports for how long, you know, how this works. Don't get caught up in the language. And I said, you can't help but get caught up in the language because you know, Commissioner one week says 100% coming back. And then he says not coming back. And he said, he's stalling. All this is, let me stall till I get to a point where I say, hey, we can only squeeze in 50 games. And he's taking the slings and arrows here. He's taking the heat for his owners right now. And I could be, I could be wrong. My source could be wrong, but I, it feels like, we, we know when we're going to start playing baseball. 
at least my source says the commissioner knows when he's going to start playing baseball. I said, all right. I said, man, this is, I said, this is really dangerous. He said, well, you're trying to figure out how much is too much, how much is just enough that we can get through this season. And I said, but the bad blood with the players, he goes, if we give 100% salaries to these guys, then I'm guessing you know, they're, they're going to be okay with the prorated 100%. And then we just move through it. We got through it. Hopefully, I said, does baseball have safety precautions? And my source said, I don't know. That's above my pay grade. And I said, well, I just can't imagine you're just going to trot everybody out and go, here we go and let's play ball. But I was told this is scripted. Interesting. All right, some phone calls here, 877-3DP-SHOW. Uh, James in Virginia. Hey, James, welcome back. Oh, well, thank you for taking my call, brother. Hail to the Redskins. Happy uh, Thursday, man. They all seem to run together, man. And since we're speaking about the great burgundy and gold, man, about the name change, you know, I, I've been a Redskins fan since I can remember, man, all, all the way back to when I was like six, seven years old, watching them win their, their last Super Bowl, man. And, and I've always held that name in high regard. But I'm no fool, man. And in today's society, man, you got to be open, man. Life is fluid and nothing is permanent, man. So in saying all that, man, as much as I love the Washington Redskins, I'm open to a name change. And I'll turn our producer Mario, man. I think the Washington Warriors sounds like a good one. The only <laughs> caveat, the only thing that I can say going forward is if they cannot change the colors, if they change the burgundy and gold, because burgundy and gold is embedded in my DNA, man, I have every right to choose a new team. But, hey, man, I appreciate you guys talking about it. Stay progressive, man, and uh, have a wonderful day, guys. Thank, Thank you, James. You so Thank, Thank you. Right. Thank you, James. I thought I might hear from James. He loves his team. Hey, you can get rid of the nickname. Just keep my colors in there. That's all I need. Uh, Dennis in Florida. Hi, Dennis. What do you have for me today? Hey, Danny. 6'4", hey. 235. Pretty frustrated attitude. Yeah. Always wanted to be 6'6", like my boy DeBusher, but that's for another time. Um, I know the, a bit of the story this morning has been about Kaepernick, but we got the perfect place for him right here in Tampa. Dan. Think, they're doing barrel rolls down Dale Mabry just because they posted photos of him in a fucking year's uniform yesterday. Yeah, He could stand on the sideline in a purple and gold flaming suit and no one is going to notice. Now, of course, that's a bit facetious and a bit over the top, but it, it might happen. But it'd be a perfect place for him. And, man... If Brady goes down, oh, my God, we got Gabbard. Am I supposed to trust a season that looks like it has Super Bowl connotations? And if the quarterback goes down, we turn it over to him? I know. I, I, I know we keep looking at these landing spots. It has to start, and thanks for the phone call, it has to start with ownership. That's it. You can look at this as a practical football matter question or answer but it comes down to the owner I, I know it doesn't sound like it's a big deal but what the president of the United States yesterday said I, I think it opened the not the door but at least the window a little bit to bring in Kaepernick and he won't be critical of you if Kaepernick takes a knee that was the feeling I got 
Because keep in mind, this is a president who called Kaepernick an SOB for kneeling. Here is the president of the United States yesterday talking about this situation. Do you think Colin Kaepernick should get another shot in the NFL? If he deserves it, he should. If he has the playing ability, he was he started off great and then he didn't end up very great in terms of as a player. He he was terrific in his rookie year. I think he was very good in his second year and then something happened. So uh, his playing wasn't up to snuff. The answer is absolutely I would. As far as kneeling, I would love to see him get another shot. But obviously, he has to be able to play well. If he can't play well, I think it would be very unfair. Well, he deserves his shot. The question is, after he gets that shot, can he play? I don't know how else he deserves a shot if he doesn't show you he can play. Um, and the president doesn't really talk about the kneeling. He, he got there and then moved on. So I don't know what he thinks about that. But Kaepernick could play before. I mean, his last year, he was 16 touchdowns, four interceptions. He rushed for almost 500 yards. But he was in Chip Kelly's offense, and that team, they fired Chip Kelly at the end of the season. I don't know if Kaepernick can play. And hopefully somebody brings him in so we can see if he plays. And then if he can't play, then we move on from this topic. But he's now 32. If we keep delaying this and delaying this, then he's 33. Then he's going to be too old to bring in. Or that'll be an excuse. Remember, he didn't fit systems. No, he just doesn't fit our system. Now, all of a sudden, I got Mark Davis of the Raiders, the owner. I got uh, Anthony Lynn of the Chargers, their head coach. Now, all of a sudden, he sort of fits systems. Doug Peterson of the Eagles saying, hey, you know what? We might look at it. Now, all of a sudden, he fits systems. But what? Last year, he didn't fit a system. year before, he didn't fit a system. Everybody just needs to have their excuses you know, we write them down so you remember them because it just feels like it keeps changing here. And I, I hope he gets the opportunity to at least play. I would love for him to actually tweet or do an interview and let us know if he wants to play because it certainly seems like there are a lot of people fighting for him. And I don't know if he wants to play, how badly he wants to play. What if you're just on a roster? What if you're the third string quarterback? I don't know. No. I'm just looking at this from a logical standpoint. If the president of the United States, you know, takes the heat off of this a little bit, then an owner will bring him in. And then the coach, GM, uh, the starting quarterback, I think there'll be a process here. I thought if you were going to bring in, like Jalen Hurts, if, they, if the Eagles didn't draft Jalen Hurts, then maybe you bring in Colin Kaepernick. Philadelphia survived when Michael Vick went there. And you got Carson Wentz. Um, that might have been a spot for him. The Chargers, the Chargers doesn't make sense. Because if that was the case, then why wouldn't you have brought Colin Kaepernick in before? After you get rid of Phillip Rivers, why wouldn't you say, like nothing's changed with Colin Kaepernick other than people's feelings. And you're going to draft Justin Herbert. So it feels like Tyrod Taylor has the job for a year and then Justin Herbert takes over. That's why it might, he might fit your system. You know, why didn't the Raiders bring him in instead of Marcus Mariota? They had the chance. John Gruden thought he was going to be signed two years ago. Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, saying, hey, I'm open to it. But he put it on his coach and GM. Yeah, Paul. 
Do you think Anthony Lynn, the Chargers, knows exactly what he's doing? He could have not spoke about this and just done it, or he can kind of you know, publicly kick the tires on Kaepernick and open the door for other teams to start. Because now other beat writers for J- Jacksonville and Indy, hey, Anthony Lynn said he's going to look at this uh, Ka- Kaepernick for his you know, developmental squad or whatever it's called. His workout's going. Now, they're all going to be asked about that. That's how beat reporters work. Now you can say, yeah, we would take a look at that. And if 20 or 30 GMs, I'll say, yeah, we would look at that. It becomes less. It, the, t- the story is like, oh, I guess they are looking at it. It doesn't mean anything to I, me. I know, but I think what – I'm just wondering if Anthony Lynn's doing this on purpose. Like, well, he right, might. Let me, let me jumpstart this just a hair. And maybe being an African-American head coach that he wants to push this along. I mean, I still go back to Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll brings in Colin Kaepernick, doesn't work him out, and doesn't spend that much time with him, and then doesn't remember why they didn't sign him. And now he tells us that somebody from a team called him to ask him about Colin Kaepernick. Why would you call Pete Carroll about Colin Kaepernick? I would call John Harbaugh, or Jim Harbaugh. I'd call Jim Harbaugh. And I'm sure John Harbaugh talked to his brother about Colin Kaepernick. And that's why I thought he would be a better backup quarterback for Lamar Jackson than RG3. But these guys have a decision to make, and it's got to be a football decision. And that's what it comes down to. The owner makes a decision. It's a business decision. He makes the decision. Now it's up to the owner and GM to make it work. And that's that's the order this is going to happen. Because the owner doesn't want to get in a situation like Jerry Jones. Hey, I'm going to kneel. And then all of a sudden, hey, if you kneel, you're not going to play for us. Like, wait, what is it? And it felt like it was moving. It was very fluid. Week to week on that issue. Now it feels like everybody is going to be kneeling. Or at least the marquee players are going to be kneeling. White players are going to be kneeling. Far from over, but I'd still love to hear. I think Kaepernick owes it to the people who are fighting for him on this issue to at least acknowledge this. Do you want to play? And how badly do you want to play? Because if I'm an owner, or I'll put it in coaching terms, I want to know if football is the most important thing right now in your life. And I don't know how it can be. But if you're coming in to be a quarterback, even a backup quarterback, I got to know you're all in. And I, I don't know if anybody's going to have that. Uh, I saw where the uh, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Ben Carson, said this. This was Monday. And McLevin brought it up to me, and I, he goes, do you think that Ben Carson is letting us kind of have a peek into President Trump about his feelings about Colin Kaepernick? Are they changing? For whatever motives. I, do, I don't want to politicize this. But Ben Carson was saying that he thinks that the president would be, I think, a little... He'll get there. This is according to Ben Carson. Um, I don't think he has manifested as much animosity in that region lately, talking about the president with Colin Kaepernick and players who take a knee at sporting events. Carson then goes on to say, and I think we just continue to work him. He'll get there. That's pretty big. You know, that, that, that's really big. And you already had, you know, the president who came out and criticized the commissioner. That wasn't long ago when he said, could it be 
even remotely possible that in Roger Goodell's rather interesting statement of peace and reconciliation, he was intimating that it would now be okay for players to kneel, capital letters, or not to stand for the national anthem, thereby disrespecting our country and our flag. Trump wrote that on Twitter in response to the commissioner's video message. So I don't know where the president stands on this. And if I'm an owner, I don't know where the president stands on this. But make no mistake, you have to factor that in if you're a football team, if you're going to bring in Colin Kaepernick. If you're an owner, you have to factor in that. We'll take a break. More phone calls coming up back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. It's some phone calls here. Brian in Texas joins us. Hi, Brian. What do you have for me today? What up, BP? Hey, bud. Hey, bud. Um, I was just calling the, I totally agree with you on the Redskins and the Indians logo. It's very derogatory, uh, to the native Americans, but I think the Blackhawks and the teams like the Seminoles, you know, it keeps the name, the native American name. It's, I don't think it's dishonoring them. I think it's keeping the name out there and letting people know, Hey, they're still around. These were the, these were their tribes, you know? Well, it's not for us to say, hey, what's offensive or not offensive or keeping a, a name out there. Thank you, Brian. Um, you know, if you're if you're going to work with the tribes, then great. I, I'm all for that. If, if they're signing off on it and I love the Blackhawks logo, but I, it's not for us to go, hey, you know, they should be fine with this or we keep the name out there. The Seminoles. Uh, it's not for me to decide. Uh, Greg in Illinois. Hi, Greg. What do you have for me today? ADP, just in case Fritzy isn't paying attention, tell him great guest list today. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I never I never thought I'd be excited to uh, have you interview an epidemiologist, but I've got a quick question for you to ask Dr. Fauci. Okay. Um, when a player tests positive, which I think will happen, what does he recommend leagues do with that player's teammates, that player's coaches, and the opposing teams that that, that, that player's come into contact with? Because it, it seems like it might be a big mess. Thanks. Yeah, I think that there's the potential for a big mess. You know, just looking at this logically, if you're going to have somebody, let's say somebody would test positive on Monday. And I don't know how often you're going to be tested. Uh, You tested twice a week, but now all of a sudden you test positive on a Monday after a game on Sunday. Now what do you do? Now I got to test your teammates. Who'd you come in contact with? The team you just played? And, and maybe we, d- we don't come up against those hurdles. Maybe we don't face those obstacles. But it feels like we're still going to be in this. To whatever degree, I don't know. But if you just look at the logical approach, take the logical approach to this, we're going to have positive tests. And the question is, what does that mean for the other players? Now, they, by all accounts, it won't be life-threatening, but that. I don't think that's what this is about right now with these these teams, with these athletes. Now, some of the coaches could be put in harm's way. Some of the older coaches could be, well, they will be more susceptible to something more serious. But the players themselves and who they come in contact with, who they pass it on to, and then trying to monitor that, it just feels like that is going to be a difficult challenge. Um and also the the face mask is, you know, I'm trying to get more details. And when I brought this to your attention a few weeks ago, 
Uh, this is from somebody in the medical community with the NFL and said that they were going to extend the face mask. I don't know if everybody is going to have a, a shield, but we just had the NFL's chief medical officer, Dr. Sills, who uh, reiterated what I said three weeks ago. He said he thought it was a, the craziest, dumbest idea. And then the more he's seen these shields, and I don't know if anybody has a prototype here. I don't know what they look like. I was just told that they will be extending the face mask and that they might be there might be shields. Now, not all players are going to want to wear a shield. These are these are things that they're working on. They're working on things every single day that we have no idea that that it is an issue or it could be an issue. And but this is what the NFL is trying to troubleshoot here. Not going to be easy. I saw where the U.S. Open fewer line judges and uh, the ball boys, but they're planning on playing tennis. Uh, anything out of this, McLovin, that I, I know that are they going to have a line judge? I had actually heard that there were going to be no line judges, but on the big, big matches, they will have line okay. judges. And there's fewer ball boys, but there are going to be ball boys. Do you need ball boys? Can't the players pick up their own ball in this situation? Um, <laughs> how can you? <laughs> I mean, you're adding a lot of infection risk. If I'll you pick put, up my own ball. How yeah. dare you, sir? <laughs> how dare you? What's next? Golfers are going to carry their own clubs. No. <laughs> <laughs> you heathen. <laughs> yes. You, you just had Djokovic saying he wants to stay at a particular hotel. How dare anyone suggest they stay at the airport? He wants to bring his massage therapist and all kinds of other trainers and stuff. They're going to go chase after their own ball. That's more of a mo. Hotel, isn't it, sir? <laughs> yeah, he's not a fan of Queens, apparently. Not a Queens guy. Have they have they finished that hotel <laughs> at the airport? <laughs> I don't even know that, what you're referring to, but the answer is always no. No, no, that beautiful. Yeah, I know they never oh, finished it. One? No, it's it's spectacular. It's it's like a beautiful hotel at the hair, at the airport, like TWA hotel. Doctor Fauci will join us coming up in about twenty minutes, twenty five minutes. 